I felt good to drop back in coverage. I did it at Georgia, so I'm kind of I'm used to it. But now I'm working on it a lot more, getting 707, so I get a lot more comfortable with dropping instead of just dropping every now and then. Welcome to Jaguars Reporters, presented by TIAA Bank, with Brian Sexton, John Osher, Ashlyn Sullivan, and J.P. Shadrick. Jaguars Reporters, presented by TIAA Bank, starts right now. Welcome into the Jaguars Reporters Podcast. Today is Monday, May 16th. J.P. Shadrick, Ashlyn Sullivan, Brian Sexton, and John Osier. And thank you for listening on Jaguars.com through, yes, the podcast tab at the top of the homepage or on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. It's on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcast. We love feedback, of course. Leave us a comment and a five-star rating. It is the Monday after Rookie Minicamp Let's get our first reactions after the Friday and Saturday. We saw the guys out on the field at TIAA Bank Field. I saw lots of teaching, not much yelling and screaming, no announcements of what's coming next over the PA system, and Mm. surprise, surprise, they still got their work done, Ashley. They did. I missed the announcements, truthfully, because it kept me on track. So you like the pleasantly quiet approach. (laughs) It was pleasantly (laughs) quiet, yes. It was. I mean, they... They didn't have to go like yell between drills and run around everywhere. They were very calm and, and none of that. There was none of that. I thought even the music was moderate. It wasn't overly overpowering like it was last year. Yeah, and Glenn Miller, and peaceful. They, and yeah. players responded. I think to that. they got their work done. Yeah, they they you know it, it was that kind of weekend. It was the, t- the take what they learned in the classroom, get it on the field, John. It's professional football. It, it, it was a teaching. It was a teaching weekend. I guess there were what probably total fifteen seven on seven plays. About fifteen. 11 on 11 plays and it was fine uh you know i think we're all sort of lead with the same thought that it's easy to see why they drafted trayvon walker i mean he's uh put on this earth god came down and touched him and said you will play pro football (laughs) and his he's an unbelievable specimen maybe the best specimen that they've ever drafted number one you know or in the first round to come in here unbelievably impressive and uh you know, it's just May, but wow. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. So I was thinking about the guys, you know, Baselli, obviously, 6'7 and 330 pounds when he walked in here. John Henderson, you know, bigger if that's possible sure. when he came in here in 2002. Yep. Um, Fred was impressive for 6'1, 230. You're like, okay, look at that. And it could run, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, a 4'3, right. 40. I mean, uh, unbelievable. But when you got up close to Walker, you saw a guy who physically, the only guy that's, I think, come close to him in terms of looking like it's supposed to look is Tony Brackens. Um, arms just forever. And then just catcher's mitts. I mean, just enormous hands. Um, moves so fluidly, so effortlessly through the drills. When he hit the bag, remember when we were standing there, it was boom, yeah, right? It was scary. When the other kid from Norfolk State, and he played at Norfolk State for a reason, right? I mean, he's a, pop, pop, pop. This kid, boom. When Walker hits it, it's, he was, as John said, touched. He's supposed to play professional football. And um, I was. we were just all in awe of what we saw in terms of the, You knew right away that's why they took him. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 maybe I've shared the story with you guys off mic, but I mean, I, I stood in front of Aiden Hutchinson in Vegas. And he's impressive, 6'6", 260, and that's a big, strong guy. But he's not built like this. I mean, not in any way, shape, or form. Built like Trayvon Walker. Yeah, when Trayvon Walker came in that Friday after he was drafted and he was in just a jumpsuit, you know, he's, wow, he's big walking down the hallway. But then when you see him 
on a football field in gloves and you look at his arms that are basically to his knees my brother texts me it's funny i tweeted out a clip of one of his drills my brother goes my god i'm scared of him <laughs> i think that's the impression we all had from well him. he looked like he was he was participating in a padded practice yeah, yeah. right and right. it wasn't Pat. It was not. And it, I've seen a few guys like that. When I covered Bob Sanders in the, the Colts, I used to joke about that. He he would walk out during OTAs, and he looked like he was going to practice because he was that big and strong. Trayvon Walker is about three of Bob Sanders, but he's impressive. Let's hear from Trayvon Walker. He will play outside linebacker. What does that mean for him? I always kind of dibbled and dabbled in the outside linebacker world, but just strictly working on outside linebacker things in practice, I feel like I'm truly getting more comfortable with the position, learn a lot more techniques coming from that position and not have to learn so many different other positions. It's always room for improvement coming from Georgia. It was a lot of techniques that we went over, but also coming here, like at Georgia, we ran a lot of techniques, but once I got here, break down a lot of those techniques that I learned at Georgia and just put them into a family and focus on that one thing. Uh, it felt good to drop back in coverage. I did it at Georgia, so I'm kind of used to it. But now I'm working on it a lot more, getting 707, so I get a lot more comfortable with dropping instead of just dropping every now and then. This is going to be a topic, I think, throughout the off season. How does he look at outside linebacker, the coverage part especially there, and, and can he bend around the edge to get to the quarterback, John? Yeah, it, he, he he was working outside linebacker drills with uh, outside linebacker coach Bill Shuey to the side, but he – Saw it. There were photos all over the place. That's the focus. They're uh, wasting no time. I, you know, I'll couch all this by saying I don't know how you judge him in any way before the pads actually go on, except to say that uh, you trust the scouts. They've seen him play football, and you can only assume that this stuff we saw athletically and physically will translate once they go to pads. They're going to work on the techniques and stuff, but we'll find out in training camp if he can start doing that, and then he'll even have to improve from that moment. Well, they've got an example from last year. The Cowboys took Micah Parsons, who was an inside backer at Penn State, and moved him outside and used him in a number of different ways. I think he led all rookies in sacks, so they used him going forward, which is what you expect them to do with this guy. Um, I mean, he's bigger, he's longer. Uh, I'm assuming he's stronger because the guy just looks like a horse. Sure. Um, and I, if he can play to Micah Parsons, right, which is asking a lot, defensive rookie of the year, um, but I would think that would be the example. I think he's stronger. He almost carried the tackling dummy or, or the blocking sled off with one hand the other day. Yeah, it was, so. it was scary, as my brother said. Scary man. And I think uh, for Bill Shuey, this is an awesome opportunity because basically the entire rookie minicamp, he's working one-on-one with this guy, and you can just see how excited he is. Oh, it was kind of nice, too. There was no theatrics and no cussing. And yeah. Right. You say scary, working. by the way. From everything I hear, great kid. I mean, everybody who – Jordan Davis said, his teammate, told me in Vegas, you're going to love him. Good dude. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, let's move to the inside linebacker position and the 27th overall pick, Devin Lloyd. He was on the practice field this past weekend. Impressive physically, of course, but impressive off the field as well. What does he like about the Jaguars' defense on paper so far? Yeah, yeah, it's my first time in a 3-4, but I love it. Um, I feel like, I mean, if you look at the people that we have, and, you know, I mean, this is, we don't even, we're not practicing with the vets or anything like that, but even the guys we have right now, um, you know, everybody's athletic, and, you know, everybody has to do a lot of things, which um, fits to my skill set, um, you know, and I, I just love what, um, you know, the coaches have going on here as far as what they're asking the players to do, how we're attacking um, offenses, and, you know, really our mentality as a defense, you know, um, I, really, I like what we got going on. What does that change for you to 3-4? 
not a whole lot. It's mainly the front. You know, I mean, even then, we still have, um, you know, a nickel. We call it 4-2 front. So, um, I mean, we, we can swap. We've been doing that. So, um, but, yeah, the 4-3, um, you know, that's – or 3-4, excuse me, that's a little bit newer. But at the same time, it's not – you know, too much of a difference, really. Of course, it's very early to, to see a lot of this on the field. He's only been on the field for two days. He'll be out with the veterans this week with Phase 2 going on to have a little better feel. But th- this is something we'll find out a little more how he really fits uh, once we get closer to training camp. I got a quick story for you. So uh, last night at the J Fund, uh, Devin was there, and he was talking with Jim Signorelli from uh, a Jag sponsor, Fields uh, of Orange Park. I know you know him. And Jim, in his own way, says, hey, I know you wish you'd been drafted higher, um, but, man, we are so glad you're in Jacksonville. And he goes, you know what? I am, too. I'm excited to be here with what we're going to do in Jacksonville, which everyone around was like, yeah, we get it. You look at the guy, you see what he's capable of doing, and now you got a guy who's motivated to be here in Jacksonville, excited about it. I just thought that was a cool little story. And just for him to be there. I mean, he just came to Jacksonville two weeks ago and already yeah. sees the importance of, of showing up to an event like that. Is. Well, Roy Robertson-Harris had his arm around him at one point. I mean, the, the veterans realize they can tell what this kid can do already. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're digging in on those guys. John, I can listen to him talk all day, I think. Yeah, he, he's going to be the star locally in the community. Uh, the fans are going to attach to him, I think, probably more than Trayvon, because that's just, it doesn't seem to be Trayvon's personality to sort of want that. It, mm-hmm. That's not a knock on Trayvon. It's just that Devin Lloyd is, is one of those guys who gravitates to the camera, uh, is very comfortable in that environment, likes it. He did the Duval thing with uh, Melissa Stark right off the uh, top at the draft. Uh, and it looks like he's going to be that dynamic, flashy player on the field, whereas I think Trayvon may be more meat and potatoes, if you will. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the right way to say it. But uh, when Devin plays, I think you're going to notice Splash. I think of him perhaps as a really, really, really good Telvin Smith. I mean, I think Telvin was very, very good, but yeah. highly drafted, uh, playing that type, that sort of energy. Uh, but I, w- I would expect him to be long-term and – Better. Can you imagine Telvin Smith at 240 pounds? Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he struggled to get to 220, yeah. right? This uh, guy's 237. And, yeah, that's and, crazy. And, yeah. you know, when you watched him and Chad Muma running from across the field, you're like, oh. I mean, they were just – it was so clear who the draft picks were, especially yes. the first four, mm-hmm. uh, because they had that special something about them, uh, physical characteristics, athletic characteristics. Um, and and then Muma can run now, too. That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's, I mean, he flips those hips and turns and runs and – and so it's easy to see. You know, they talk about that hybrid safety position that uh, they use in Tampa, and him being the ideal fit for that. And then to listen to him talk, you know, to hear the football IQ come mm-hmm. through. Um, you know, again, rookie minicamp can't get over the top with it, but sure looks like they did very well on draft weekend. Yeah, and it was cool with Muma's press conference how he kind of detailed. You know, when Lloyd got drafted, he thought, "Okay, I'm not going to the Jaguars." And it was cool to hear him explain what the coaching staff has explained to him of having those options at inside linebacker where if Muma's in, Lloyd's resting and never having enough options in that room to always have a fresh body to go in. It's such a situational game now. and it, it, I say this during the draft, leading up to it, everybody wants to analyze the depth chart. And, oh, you drafted this guy, he's a 4-3 linebacker, so he'll be behind this. Um, when you actually, we've all watched some football in our lives. When you actually watch the game, or you ever think about the depth chart, 
I mean, not, it, you know, not at that point, especially no. in the modern NFL, no. where you've got situations, nickels, you've got guys hurt, you've got guys coming off the field, They're guys rolling, play, rolling in defensive yeah. linemen all game. So right. the reality is, once you know, if you build for depth chart in the off season, all of a sudden during the season, you find yourself without enough guys who can play certain positions. So I, I had zero problem with the pick. Too long around here. It, it's been there's been a bit too much need in the draft at times. Yeah. Uh, these guys can play. Let them go find a spot. Yeah, too often in this thing, we talk about scheming schemes, but you scheme players, matchup players. You see where Chad Muma can line up against a tight end or a particular slot receiver or because of the run game. This reminds me of, and we haven't seen it in a long time because of the salary cap, but you know those great Cowboy teams, and I know you grew up watching them back in the early 90s, they just rolled guys off the bench. I mean, they had so many players. They did such a good job of drafting the best available player and never worrying about how they'd use them, but knowing there was a spot for them on the field. It feels like that's their approach here, um, and it allows them to scheme individual matchups. And as John said, that's the modern game. And here's the thing. If Muma makes three plays that make momentum differences next year good you know they need playmakers on this team they need guys who and you don't draft just for the first year anyway i mean how many times have we seen free agents come in uh usually free agents are are two-year type players so you you've got to draft for the long term this looks to me like a big piece going forward. I'm going to paraphrase uh, Trent Balky here, but he said something after that pick, too, that made a lot of sense. It's okay to be really, really deep and great at one position mm-hmm. like, and maybe have to work on another one. That's fine to have a really deep room somewhere. And if you run a 3-4, JP, as you know, you've got to have linebackers. More linebackers, more linebackers, more linebackers. And um, it's felt the last well, it felt last year like they didn't have enough. Yeah, especially in the middle of the season. I mean, yeah. if one of those guys, God forbid, goes down – and then you have Muma going in, you still feel okay. Shlin, you mentioned that Muma's press conference. Luke Fortner also spoke with the media. Those are available on Jaguars.com and the Jaguars' social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The Jaguars are future-focused and ready for a new look in 2022. Join us at the bank this season with an outstanding home schedule in Jacksonville. Two preseason games here, Cleveland and Pittsburgh coming in, and then the regular season in Jacksonville, the Colts, The Texans, the Giants, the Raiders, the Ravens, the Cowboys, and the Titans. Well, visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. The off-season program continues this week, and we'll hear from head coach Doug Peterson after this. Welcome back to the Jaguars Reporters Podcast. And the Daily Space schedule heating up Tuesday and Wednesday, the Lumineers this week. Friday, May 20th, Sting... Sunday, May 22nd, Chicago, and then Saturday, June 4th, the Jacksonville Taco and Margarita Festival. Tickets and information at dailiesplace.com. Margarita Festival. Yeah, you you in for that, Schlin? (laughs) That perked my ears. (laughs) That's what it's supposed to do. What song did they play? That's not funny. (laughs) This is John's portion of the schedule coming up. Doobie Brothers in June also. Dave Matthews Band, Two Nights, Black Crows. Big Time Rush. Yeah, a lot going on. So uh, let's hear from head coach Doug Peterson. He spoke with the media Friday. Excited to be back in a coaching role and around the players on the field. I, I go back to even our, our veteran camp we had a couple weeks ago. It was really it was exciting for me to get back and be around the guys that way, you know, in a, in a competitive sort of spirit. I, I'll tell you this. Our team's really embraced the offseason extremely well. And um, these guys are excited. There's a lot of energy in the room right now and in, in the building. And, and um, you know, this is just another – sort of element to that with the rookies, you know, and, and 
it, it's it's a it's a weekend right now where the rookies don't have to feel the pressure of veterans being around them and uh, where they can just and we can focus on them and 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 get them sort of caught up you know um and then come monday we're all together as a squad and and uh, continue the phase two so yeah it's an exciting time exciting time for me and and obviously for for our organization we've said this in a number of different areas but it feels like he totally understands the pace of an nfl offseason obviously he's been in the league since 1991 has been a head coach he's won a super bowl he knows what it takes to get his team ready but he also understands that there is some shell shock from last year around here with the players and the staff I do believe there has to be some kind of healing, um, you know, with uh, with you know the situation and everything that, that transpired last year. Because it's just there's a lack of trust that was broken, I think. And and um, you know, for me, it's about gaining the trust back. And they've got to see it through me. They got to see the the transparency, the honesty. You know, I've always said that I'm going to be open with them, and I want them to be open with me. And it, and it just comes down to communication, right? And, and having an open line of communication. And and uh, we've been able to have some conversations that way in team team settings and um you know i think the guys have really embraced it and are doing well ashland that was the money quote of the week that's the one we saw all over the place nationally from from doug peterson's appearance on friday yeah and i think it's notable because that was really the first time that that doug basically stated the obvious that last year happened it was terrible there needs to be healing there needs to be trust brought back and and i thought it was it was great for Doug to address that. I've kind of been waiting for that, and, and I understand he wasn't here, so it wasn't necessary, but I thought it said a lot about him to say, yeah, I saw what happened, and I know we got to move on. Well, you know, even if it hadn't been all the extreme off-field stuff, uh, you know, I don't know that we'll ever know publicly all of, of that mosaic, whatever you call it. You had a coach in here who was here for 13 games. At the very least, Doug has to come in and establish with the players – this is how it's going to be. It, it's we're not flipping a house here. You know, mm-hmm. it, this is going to be long term. It's going to calm things down. This is how it's going to be, regardless of of the details of last year. I think he's done a great job of coming in and saying, "I get it. I get what this is. I get what it's supposed to be. Listen to me. Transparency, etc." Uh, he, he's an easy guy to believe in quickly, and I think that sort of trumps any sort of money quote he may have had about last week. The big picture for this franchise is that personality is very positive and very needed right now, Brian. Uh, he's so calm. You know, I mean, I've said before, it feels like he's the big brother that walks in and puts his arm around the shoulder of the whole franchise, right? Because there's people on the football side and people on the business side. Traumatized is the wrong word. But who who were shell-shocked after dealing with what last year was? He's just so different than that. Last year, what did you hear all the time? Oh, we got the best. We got the best. We're bringing in the best. All this guy says is, is here's the plan. Let's go execute it. And he can hold up the ring, right? Both, the one he won as a player and the one that he won as a coach. He could talk about Don Shula and Mike Holmgren and Brett Favre and Andy Reid. I mean, he just the, the players understand who he is. He goes about his business like a professional football coach does. And there's just, you don't feel this wound up sense of, anxiety in this building the whole building is calm and mm-hmm. a good head coach sets the tempo of your building he's doing that now and he's not holding the ring up on his middle finger no no, no. it's just <laughs> casual meaning he's not sticking in your you know that's right he doesn't have to i, I kid but he's an, an extremely you know for the players he's extremely approachable but not really approachable in a way that you can walk over him if you follow me yeah approachable but he has a a head coach presidential feel to him as well 
uh, he's he's not your friend. You know he's the leader. Yeah. I, but I, it's it's a very head coach tone, and I think it's uh, you know it's what's needed in this era of the NFL. This type of personality is what you need as a coach. All right. What do we got coming up this week? Uh, Zone, you got a pod? What's up? Uh, I have a pod. I believe it will be with Chad Muma. Um, and uh, we taped it or tape. We don't tape anymore. What do we do now? We just record. Record. On, uh, <laughs> uh, Ashlyn, uh, audio tape was a, a form of I'm here to tell you the hip the new way to say okay. things. Record. Record. Uh, but uh, we talked to him Friday right after practice. Uh, as you can expect, if you've seen anything from Chad Muma, uh, very insightful, very engaging kid. I enjoyed it. Drive time Tuesday, Ashlyn? Yes, drive time Tuesday. We have offensive lineman Brandon Sheriff on our show, cool. so that'll be exciting. Looking forward we'll to learn that. more about him. Very nice. Uh, we'll have Huddle Up on Wednesday. Bucky Brooks back with us. The Bucky Brooks Show presented by Bucky Brooks on the Bucky Brooks Network. That man makes must always, a lot of money. Always good to be with Bucky Brooks. It, it is. <laughs> um, and then Thursday we'll have thir- uh, Jaguars Happy Hour. Jeff Lagerman joins us for that program as well. Maybe a special guest on that one. Bucky. Eh, we'll see if he's busy or not. We'll talk to his agent and see what his agent says. Thanks for listening on Jaguars.com through the podcast tab at the homepage or on the official Jaguars podcast network. That's on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. We love feedback, of course, so leave us a comment and a five-star rating. For Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osier, Brian Sexton, and Joe Fortunato, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next time on the Jaguars Reporters Podcast.